GG and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim LaCombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. You hear him on pregame, halftime, postgame radio broadcasts right here on The Zone. Former BYU assistant coach, a Ute before that. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Jack. Guys, what's going on? There are many things going on. There are many places we could start, but let's start first with the disappointment of BYU losing to St. Mary's. Obviously, on its own, not winning Western Conference Tournament, that's a disappointment, but it's also connected to the NCAA Tournament. There's going to be another long layoff, and it's not just the physical, it's the psychological of being down. What should Mark Pope be doing? How does he handle this so that they get over the disappointment of the Conference Tournament and have a good performance in the NCAAs? You know, it's a weird, weird time. Um, you really are going on such a, a regular schedule during the season with games every couple of days and, uh, you know, pretty much clear objective to to either prepare for a game that's on the schedule or, uh, you know, get some other types of work in. But this is a this is a weird time. The one positive thing is uh, they, they certainly know they're going to join the tournament. Um, so the you know the practices uh, when you don't, when you're on the bubble they're not quite as as fun. Um, the fact that they know they're in, um, you know, I think that they'll be able to to get over a tough loss um, down in Vegas. You know where they didn't really look like themselves much, and uh, I think that had a lot more to do with St. Mary's than anything else. Um, but for the most part, I think that. This is a kind of a blip on the radar. They've had several of those this year, and uh, the the biggest prize is yet to be determined, which they'll find out on Sunday. You know, I've been in this business a long time, Tim, and I was at the arena that night on Monday and certainly was surprised that they lost. I thought they were going to win. We had talked about it when you were uh, subbing for DJ last week, and you felt very confident they would beat St. Mary's and probably even get, beat Gonzaga. We'll never know about the Gonzaga game because it didn't happen. And the one thing that I noticed, man, Mark Pope, who is usually so up and so optimistic, I don't think I've ever seen a coach be that down on a game that wasn't a season-ending loss. You know, usually when the season ends, there's there's – level of disappointment and to the point of you know temporary depression and all that stuff but he was way way down so my thought for you since they were down and Yoli and Tulson were up on the podium and you could tell man their body language is just this was brutal uh, how much do you think that's going to spur on a level of improvement and intensity and focus for when this one and done madness begins next week you know, adversity can really do two things. It can sink sink your boat, or you can or you can learn to swim. I think the one thing those guys have done this year is they've handled adversity with injury, suspension, um, you know, tough outcomes. They've handled that really well. I was certainly in the camp that uh, you know going down to Vegas and already having kind of a destiny locked into the NCAA tournament that things might be a little easier than in years past. Um, but, you know, the the great, um, kind of the great Tony Bennett made, or Tony Bennett, I was going to sing a song, uh, Randy Bennett made sure that the Cougs 
you know, that didn't go as easy for him as, as maybe it was looking like it might. Um, so I think they'll rally. Man, like you say, you've been around a long time. I've been around a long time. Uh, it's definitely disappointing and in the moment and the moments leading up. I think the, the hardest thing after a loss is the next morning when you wake up because you've gotten away from it. You sleep whatever amount of time you're going to sleep and kind of get away and you wake up and it smacks right in the face. And so those first few days after a loss are difficult, but um, if, if Pope's teams have shown anything, they're really resilient. Um, I think he made the point after their last loss, they rattled off nine straight. So, you know, if they did that again, that'd be really cool. Um, but uh, they're, they're, they're in a good spot. I mean, they, they wanted to win that tournament and they wanted to uh, kind of break through there. But the best part is that they already have the bit secured and now it's just a matter of finding out where they go. So the Utah Jazz have followed uh, a win streak with a losing streak with a win streak with a losing streak with a win streak. Now, after a loss, do you think they're going to get back to normal, win a couple here, lose a couple there? and Or, or are we going to keep looking at other streaks and this is going to keep going? Um, I, they're pretty amazing, the streaks. You know, I think they're the only team um, in NBA history with five at least win four win or five or four loss streaks in a row. So it's definitely been a weird up and down kind of roller coaster ride. Um, and, and where that stops, I'm not sure. Um, I do like, you know, for the most part, I like the product that we're seeing on the floor a little, a little better. I think the defensive uh, situation is being kind of addressed and rectified. Uh, you know, I love kind of where Bojan set is right now and um, it's just this is just now going to be a matter of grinding out these last bit, few games and finding the advantage that you have and trying to place as high as you can because now it's all just jockeying for position. How much do you like the way Joe Ingles has settled into coming off the bench? seems to be that he's playing a lot better. A lot. You know, I think we've talked about it a lot when we talk guys and I, I mean Joe Ingles is huge to this team I think uh, some guys you know they really do kind of carry the heartbeat of the team I think Joe's a really a guy that's really in touch across uh, across the locker room with everybody I think he's got seems to have good relationships with guys um, and he's somebody you want to see do well because when he's doing well the team's probably doing well um I think it's really hard <clears throat> hard for Joe to force his way into something and be, you know, overly aggressive. I think he's done a heck of a job, particularly with the new guys, trying to help them acclimate just as he acclimates. Um, so he's got that ability to kind of sense when guys maybe need a little bit more help. Um, but I think over the last little while, just has been pretty obvious that when balls in Joe's hands, really good things happen. When he's on attack, when he's playing with a little bit of force, um, definitely good things happen. So, for sure, uh, Joe Ingles is is really important to the Jazz and kind of uh, one of the guys. I would say maybe he and Bogey are the barometers to you know what kind of night it was, depending on the shots they took and plays that they were involved in. What is uh, what is missing to slip the Jazz back into the kind of groove we saw in January? Um, 11 straight wins. 
something like that. I don't know. Uh, I think that it's probably, you know, it, there's no doubt that the schedule has something to do with it. I mean, you're whether you're you get in a rhythm, but the schedule kind of carries you. And really, I think it's just a matter of the Jazz getting right uh, all at the same time. You know, we talked about this idea of peaking. Um, the nice thing about the Jazz is they really never have quote-unquote peak for uh, an extended period of time. They had that really good win streak, but they've had some tough things as well. I still am a believer that with this particular group, the best basketball is yet to be played. Um, I think the playoffs themselves will be really entertaining because of the multifaceted way the Jazz can attack an opponent as opposed to years past. So um, I think really it's being able to have some success, build on it, and uh, and then kind of find your groove. That's kind of where we are right now at this time of the season. So Monday when I'm down getting ready to uh, go over to do the uh, cover the BYU game in St. Mary's at the Orleans Arena, obviously there's a bunch of folks from Utah there. And if you're from Utah, you're probably going to be a Jazz fan too. And a guy comes up to me and says, hey, is this the real Mike Conley? Is this what we're going to see from now on? And I said, yeah, I think so. It took a little longer to develop than we all anticipated. But it's promising signs that we're seeing. So I believe that he's going to be have a level of consistency going forward through the rest of the season and into the postseason. Do you agree with my answer? I actually do. Um, I think that if you're watching, you're seeing a, you know, a little bit different guy who – now has a little bit more confidence where everybody else is, where he's supposed to be. Um, all those little nuanced shots, the floaters, um, pull-ups, even open threes, you know, those shots are going down more regularly now. Um, and again, like I said, it, it, no different anything you do. If you have some success and you work to get some success and you see and see what it feels like and you can actually – deal with success for a little while you know it's certainly uh better than the alternative and you do all you can to continue to simulate success and i think really as as crazy as it sounds i think so much of this was um an inability to really really get comfortable early on and then the injuries hit and then you're in full season mode where you really don't have a whole lot of time to work together, so um, you know he's out. So I think that's that's where it's been. It's been a cycle tonight, but I, I think yeah, he's turning up for, for sure. Because I'd be on the same page with you there. The Lakers just posted big wins over the Bucks and the Clippers. Are those just two regular season games, or does that mean something? Man, I'm starting to think it means something. Uh, there's. Nobody with their record, you know, in the West particularly. There's nobody who's got the cell power. And now they've kind of got the story to go, the storyline to go along with it, um, you know, with Kobe. I just think everything's trending toward the Lakers, and uh, they're going to be really tough out. But don't count the Clippers out. I mean, they're, they're still going to be really good. And still yet remains to be seen, you know, who, who plays who and, and how that, you know, teams take advantage of their matchup or get hurt by their matchup. But that's the fun part of the coming down the stretch now and seeing where everybody lands. 
So the other night you saw that Gobert gets elbowed, right? And the refs didn't do anything, and then he takes a little, not as much in my mind, retaliation, but nevertheless he hits him, they get ejected, and then after the game he makes this statement that, you know, I basically got to be a vigilante and take justice into my own hands. If you're Quinn Snyder, obviously you want him to be aggressive and to defend himself, but what do you say to him as far as to make sure that he doesn't get too emotionally caught up into it? Because obviously he's a critical player to the team and he can't afford himself to get tossed out. No, it's a tough one. Big guys particularly, they take a lot more shots. You know, this one was obviously seen pretty well, but there's a lot of things hidden in the game that big guys deal with. Um, so they've got to have a little bit more... Uh, their fuse has got to be a little bit longer. You know, in Rudy's case, he's just got to be careful. The timing, all that stuff, you know, trying to win games. And I think he got caught up in the emotion of that riot, that battle. And then he got kind of involved in two offensive plays that I don't know that he can make. You know, when he rolled from the top of the key, tried to drive it down and score it. Um, or the, the other later one where... On a roll, he could have easily made a kick-out pass for three, but tried to go through the defender. Um, so I think emotionally, more than anything with Rudy, just being able to focus on making the right play and doing what he's got to do to help his team win and not get caught up in a lot of the antics that are out there. <clears throat> Tim Lacombe joining us, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. All right, Tim. We appreciate a uh, few minutes this morning. You have any? Uh, you have any words of advice for any of the teams that are uh, heading into the ter- their tournament action today? This seems like long shots for everybody. It just kind of seems like a a one or two and done. Yeah, this is a great time. It's not a great time for teams that have had sensational years because now you're down there having to defend another championship. But uh, teams that are trying to play their way in you know they get a little bit of rebirth I mean the Utes are there right now um, you know the Wildcats and Thunderbirds are going to be starting here soon uh, so it's just a matter of now it's really is one game seasons and if you want to keep playing find out we'll find a way to win and that's where some serious magic happens in March um, so good luck to the rest of those guys today and certainly pulling for them Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, stay with us. Coming up, more on the Jazz and the Thunder. Coming up tonight, we got uh, more reaction to the coronavirus and what should, what should the NBA be doing, what should the other pro sports leagues be doing, what should the college teams be doing, Closing, canceling games, closing arenas. We'll get to all that coming up. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman. And NewsOK.com joins us at 9 o'clock to talk jazz and thunder. Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz are in Oklahoma City tonight. Jazz and Thunder at 6 o'clock. Pre-game show starts at 5. Oklahoma City 17-5 in their last 22 games. They've split two games with the Jazz earlier this season. Both those games were in Utah. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Nets upset the Lakers 104-102 behind 23 points from Spencer Dinwiddie. Second 
Second-ranked Gonzaga wins the WCC tournament title with an 84-66 win over St. Mary's. College basketball today. Pac-12 tournament gets underway with Utah and Oregon State. First-round game, 1 o'clock. You can watch it on the Pac-12 networks. In the Big Sky, Weber State plays Sacramento State at 9.30. Southern Utah takes on Idaho at noon. Those games are in Boise, Idaho. Top of the Wire brought to you by Ken Garf Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Buy your next car Ken Garf West Valley used cars. Now with more than 600 used vehicles in stock. We have Utah's largest pre-owned inventory in one location. Stop by and see us today. Big Show, Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? The television voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler, Jack Bowler. You get to travel with these guys, get a little more access uh, off the floor. What's the vibe surrounding this team right now? It kind of goes back to Ricky Rubio's comments of a year ago, never too high, never too low. Maybe now the button ought to be pushed a little bit to say, look, it's time now with 18 to play to up the intensity. I know Quinn and most coaches would never say let's panic because that's not the mode you want your players to be in. I'm not saying to panic, but I think it goes back to intensity, toughness, getting into to it, the 50-50 ball. That's what you have to do on a nightly basis. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Thursday from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. All right, question of the morning. With more sporting events, they're either banning fans or they're Stopping them all together, and it depends on where you are. It seems like there's hot spots, California, New York, the state of Washington, are seeing more of this than the rest of the country, but people are talking about it, and now something's happened in Illinois, and before we get to that, they've canceled something there. PK, you've got, uh, you always talk about the Italian side of the family and the Irish side of the family. Now, in Utah, it's not as big a deal. But growing up in a neighborhood or a city that's got a lot of people who are Irish, how big a day is St. Patrick's Day? What does that compare to in terms of like other holidays during the year? Well, I think, uh, you know, back east, it's a big deal. Maybe uh, July 24th here uh, in terms of uh, celebrations, parties, uh, parades. And we have it to an extent here, but back there, obviously, there's a, a lot more Irish folks. You go up uh, the whole Northeast Corridor, for sure, from where I lived in the New York area all the way up to Boston. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal. We were over in Denver uh, a few years back, going back a while now, when the Mountain West Tournament was there, and we were there on a Saturday, right? It was a very nice day in Denver, and they had a big parade downtown. I know you and I were, were there. We, yeah. we saw it. And for, for some areas where you have that type of population, it's a big deal. Hennessy's, the places over in the South Bay where I used to live, they've got a calendar and it's a countdown to how many days till St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> so this may not sound like a big deal to some of you driving to work, but right. uh, WGN in Chicago, the morning news, is reporting that Chicago's St. Patrick's Day parade is canceled this Saturday. Whoa. And their St. Patrick's Day parade is done on the river, and they dye the river green. I say the river's green. Yeah, we always, yeah. we've all seen that. Right. Yeah. And so they have canceled that, and that's not in one of the hotspots. It's not, okay, it's not Seattle. It's not San Jose, where I guess, you know, we've come to uh, 
come to, I don't know, I guess I've come to kind of expect news coming out of those places. Chicago's a little different. And that leads us to the question of the day. What should be done about sporting events? Banning fans, playing in empty arenas, canceling them all together, moving to places that haven't had an outbreak yet, or at least that we don't know haven't had an outbreak yet. The NBA's Board of Governors, and I've tweeted out the story. You can read the whole thing if you want. They've got a, uh, they got a conference call. Uh, commissioner's office and representatives from all the clubs about what to do. And they probably have to consider short-term and long-term. What do they do about the games now? If it continues to grow, what do they do about the playoffs? What do they do with all the contracts they've got in place with TV partners and all of that? And so obviously, before they meet, who do they want advice from, PK? From our, li- from our listeners, obviously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and clearly, hello, <laughs> and I would say right now that more than uh, 90% of the people who've hit us up on Facebook and Twitter this morning, and you can call 855-340-ZONE, are saying it's panic, it's uh, overreaction, wash your hands and get on with your life. And also in the case of the media, ban the media and shut up, guys. <laughs> there, I've summarized. It's a rough summary, but you get the gist of it. Yeah, a couple of things there that uh, this it seems like it's going, uh, this is the domino effect here, and it's hitting one, and it's going down, and the other dominoes are falling. It makes you wonder if, it, if the NBA should take this drastic measure, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, I'm just saying obviously it's drastic, then what's the NCAAs going to do uh, on that way, and who else is going to fall into the pattern of, all oh, this is what we need to do? And it's just crazy, crazy times. I, I certainly don't know, although I, you know, I'm following it as much as I can. And then when people say you need to wash your hands for 20 seconds, you know, when I go to the bathroom, uh, it seemed like it was five seconds. Well, now I'm literally counting. I know, right? <laughs> You're and not alone. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Because I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about disease and disease control. You know, I, all I do know, though, as I was thinking, some of these things that seem to be coming to the forefront are now common sense. As far as if you're sick, stay home. And I can recall you. You must have said it 15 years ago. I can recall if you're sick, stay home. Don't come to work. <laughs> and that, that was one of your mantras that you would say in the winter early, all the time. Early on, uh, PK took a lot of heat, not from all managers, but from some managers. And they absolutely threatened your job. 100%. It's not you being neurotic. I was there. They threatened it. And you felt like... I got to show up. If I miss a day, somebody might sit in and they might want DJ by himself or they might want to put somebody else in the show because somebody sounded good one day when they filled in, which is not the same thing as doing it five days a week, 50 weeks a year. But I digress. And I would tell you that right to your face. I mean, I do not want your cold. And at that point, we had little kids and I do not want your cold. It is it is just not worth it. Stay home. And I think if there's anything good that's come out of that, there's a story this morning. There's at least 10 major companies, all brand names, recognizable, you know, Walmart's at the top of the list, that are altering their sick policy so people don't come in sick. And I assume, I didn't get into the story and all that because we're coming back from break, but I assume they're giving people more sick days. And when the recession hit, you know, 2008, 2009, the economy melted down, a lot of companies 
pulled, including including, <laughs> including uh, the TV station I work at, uh, we've changed owners since then, but the people owned us at the time, they pulled back uh, holidays and personal days, you know, which if you have holidays as comp days because you're always on the air on TV, you know, you can kind of use them as sick days. So people feel limited on time. And I think that's a big thing people brought up with the gig economy. Even if this gets much worse than it is now, and people are taking it way more seriously than they are right now, there are still people who have to go to work to pay the rent. You know, there are people who, and they got to do it. You know, and there's all kinds of gig economy jobs out there, and from waiters and waitresses to Lyft drivers and Uber drivers to, you know, on down the list, you know, what are those people going to do? Because the sports stuff is really high profile, and it's a big event, and 20,000 people can interact pretty quickly. But when you look at city buses, and you look at riding tracks, and you just look at going to a meeting at work that's got 10 or 15 people in there, you know, there's a lot of chances for this stuff to be transmitted. But if it did blow up into something big... I think the owners, and this is one thing they got to be talking about on the phone today, they don't want to be looking back saying, wow, it's going to look like we just wanted to get the money for these games and money for these, and we made things way worse than they are. There's health concerns, there's PR concerns, there's business slash money concerns, all of it to weigh. It's, it's not an easy answer, and I think the people who are making decisions now, they're easier decisions. I, mean, I root for Big West School, so I watch tournament games, and I know even the semifinals and the final – yeah, 3,000 people is a lot of people at a Big West tournament basketball game. You know, 5,000 is an enormous crowd. And there are games that are played in that tournament that don't have 1,000 people there. And so when the Big West says, we're not going to have fans at our tournament, I mean, it's a hit, but it's not that big a hit. When US, and so the Big West has banned fans at their tournament. The um, USC, well, they're, they're saying no fans at sporting events for the next month. But the spring sports don't draw as well. Baseball, you were down there. It was a baseball draw. A couple thousand maybe? Oh, at best, yeah. Right. So, you know, with football and basketball not happening right now, this is an easy time for USC to announce that. It's a much bigger decision for the San Jose Sharks of the NHL to say, okay, we're not going to put, uh, you know, 17,000 in an NHL game. And what's the rest of the NHL going to do? Because the NHL and the NBA do put a little pressure on each other. If one starts moving games or banning games, you know, it's like you said, that the domino effect is real. That's why I think for the sake of public safety that uh, our, shell, our cell should cancel its season. Thanks, PK. MLS had a, uh, had a conference call yesterday. I don't know the outcome of that yet. I thought I was going to hear something. You don't? I, thought, I would have thought you conducted it. No, absolutely not. They don't want me on the call. And, and the Big West, a thousand. Was, Shut up, sit down, and go over there in the corner, <laughs> like every other place. I, I, you talk about a misnamed conference. I should. Th- I think it should be called the Little West. Yeah, it used to be the PCAA back when acronyms were everything. True story. They changed the Big West like 30 years ago because it, they made it part of the Big Monday. And they wanted, and they had the, the Big East, and then they had the, uh, the Big Ten, I think, got the second game. And then it was, or maybe the Big 12. And then it was uh, the Big West, the third game of the triple header, which is just a way to get Tarkanian's Rebels on TV. Tarkanian left, and that TV deal fell apart. <laughs> Good night now. But it's still and big what happened rest. to Big Al? You know the security guy at the the arena. Yeah, he left. Around? He had another job, uh, and I bumped into him. Man, I don't know, three years ago. I haven't heard from him in a while. Big Al, huh. what up? Big <laughs> Al, 
Yeah, you see, yell at him down the hallway, and then he started laughing. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I miss Big Al. <laughs> yeah, I think he took a. I think he took an HR job. I think he got an HR job, and his whole schedule changed and all that. Oh yeah, he was always oh, okay. funny. He always had something funny to say, something sarcastic. Yeah. You're not looking good, but it's still good to see you. Thanks, Big Al. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5, the Zone. Dallin joins us now. Dallin, good morning. Good morning, guys. Dallin, how are you? So I, I'm good. How are you guys? Feeling good, but, you know, we're washing good. our hands and counting to 20, so we're good to go. Well, then you're safe. I hope so. Um, so we, uh, I, I work in healthcare, and we, we have a couple hours currently dedicated every day to, to coronavirus and new updates and different things. And one, uh, one thing we've been learning is uh, there's new research that's showing it's, it's now not as airborne as we were thinking. It's more droplet-based is transmission. And so I think what that means for the NBA and, and sports arenas and large crowds and things, so we're trying to protect the NBA players and the organization itself. Uh, it, it's not necessarily concerned as long as they're pushed back a couple feet. But if we're more concerned about the fans and transmitting from fan to fan, I think the NBA, you know, I'm not sure, is the NBA trying to protect the fans or the NBA trying to protect the players? Man, I don't want to speak for the NBA on that. I suppose both. Uh, certainly the players, though. I, I And you could probably answer this. I've been thinking all along, you know, what are some of the worst-case scenarios? Probably a lot of different things that could happen. But just sticking strictly to the basketball, I see these people who are on the cruise ships, and, you know, we all know the stories about people have to be um, – uh, quarantine for 14 days uh, my son has a friend who was in Italy studying abroad as part of a college program and they stopped the program flew them home and his friend has had to be quarantined for 14 days and I'm thinking if an NBA player or if a whole team had to be quarantined for 14 days how, what does that do to a playoff schedule do they forfeit so I would think that yeah they would absolutely be discussing among the scenarios a quarantine scenario now, am I up in the night dreaming stuff up, or is that like realistic and something they should be thinking about? No, that's super realistic. If uh, pretty much the criteria is if if you have any sort of connection to a person that has traveled to there, there there's five or six hotspots that they're considering as far as geographics go, and so if you've got any sort of connection to somebody who's traveled there and are showing symptoms then that's where the quarantine happens. If you are showing symptoms, then there's precautions we're taking and, and we're asking people to kind of self-quarantine themselves is just being yeah. more aware and being more considerate of the overall community need. But, you know, if you, if you talk about it like an NBA game, I think that's where people just need to be, you know, take some personal responsibility and, and assess that their own risk. Like, look, I'm going into a huge crowd I recognize I'm going to be sitting with people that I don't know what their status is. Is that a risk I'm willing to take? I don't know. The NBA needs to step in and say, okay, we're not allowing any fans in here because of it. But uh, that's something that the NBA players, I think, could assess. Uh, You know, the the NBA should protect the NBA players, and fans can can hopefully protect themselves in regards to that. But we're, we're typically worried about older people. That's where it's most dangerous. For younger people... When you get it, it's it's really pretty mild, and you're not noticing it. But it's it's once you get it as a younger person, being able to transmit it to someone older, that's where the risk is, and I think that's what people are worried about. Thanks, Cole, Dylan. We appreciate it.
Feel smarter now, PK? Uh, well, everything that he said seemed to make sense, so I suppose, but uh, those are all things that I've had a heightened level of awareness for. I don't have any answers on these large gatherings, not or don't go or go or what have you, but all I can do is look for my individual and what am I doing to have the best sense of precaution, I suppose. And so I feel like, all right, this has made me more aware of doing these types of things that I need to be doing. And that's all I can do is do them. And that's it. And I'm still going to go to what have you, although we're not going to the NCAs. The company's uh, implemented the no travel. So I won't be going there. And that's their decision. I can live with it. I've got no problem. And if they turned around and changed it today and said, no, we decided, hey, BYU's got a sweet chance to go far, and we need you to be there, and you need to go to wherever they're going, I'm going. I don't think I'm going to live my life in fear, uh, because once you open up that door, where does it end? Where do you shut the door? And you know, what do you do? What do you don't do? And so I don't want to quarantine myself from doing things. So I'm going to do the best that I can to make sure I'm doing what the experts tell me to do and then let it go from there. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not my mother. My mother used to drive me nuts. Oh, if it's your time, it's your time. And I used to say, I used to think to myself, that's a stupid way. And <laughs> that seems like you can be careless. If it's your time, it's your time. <laughs> you know, if I'm dodging cars on the freeway, is it my time or am I an idiot? You know what I mean? So there's there's got to be somewhere in between of just being uh, willing to take outrageous risks and versus if it's your time, it's your time. There's got to be some happy medium in there, and that's where I choose to live. I choose to be, I'm a moderate. People want to know my political opinions. I'm a moderate. I try to be moderate in all things. So I'm going to go about my life and do what I need to do. And and as I say, if the company decides, uh, you need to go to Tampa because that's where the Cougars are playing, then I'm on a plane to Tampa, and I'm not going to be worried about it. I'm going to do what I can do, but I'm not going to be living in fear. Moderation in all things, PK. You fit right in with this community. I love this community. Some of my best friends in this community. I don't know if I've told. Yeah, we've heard it. Let's keep his mic down. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on The Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who? Authorized that to all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a win tickets Wednesday. We've been telling you about this all week. Country music star Brad Paisley lining up another leg of his Love and War supporting tour for 2020, and he's bringing along plenty of friends and special guests to help make it the year's most fun country show. Your chance to see him live with special guests Jordan Davis and Gabby Barrett is Saturday, May 30th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. We've got two tickets right now, 855-340-ZONE. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Woo! And 
you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. Two tickets to see Brad Paisley. If you don't win right now, you'll have a chance on every show all day long. If you don't win today, you can always go to LiveNation.com and get your tickets. PK, you always talk about the, uh, the logical, the illogical. You love it when I try to logic everything out. <clears throat> you brought up earlier today the case of the Ivy League. And they're canceling their conference basketball tournament and sending the regular season champ to the NCAA tournament. But the NCAA tournament, <laughs> in normal times, who knows what it'll look like in two weeks, but in normal times, an NCAA tournament would have a lot more people. And you'd have to go to the airport, you go through TSA, you're on an airplane with who knows who is there, right? And yeah. uh, there's just a story out of San Jose, three TSA agents just tested positive. So, Uh-oh. yeah, right? So... Um, we're seeing a lot of schools, aside from sports, the schools are making the decision. Ohio State is putting everything online. Uh, Yale is telling, and Harvard are saying, don't come back from spring break, do everything online for the rest of the semester. Georgetown just did the same thing. There are multiple stories out there. There are just multiple schools across the country doing this right now. And for the first time, a K-12 school in Seattle is putting everything online. How does kindergarten online work? I don't have any idea. Um, but there's a whole school district in the Seattle area doing it, and they've had more, um, they've had more cases in Seattle. And so you got to wonder how much that drives sports, and then does it become a domino thing where the NBA feels like it has to follow suit? There are stories out of San Francisco. Now, the Warriors don't play in Santa Clara County. They're up in the city. Santa Clara County is like the San Jose-Stanford area down at the south end of the bay. So yes. in Santa Clara, when they say no gathering over 1,000 people, because they've had a bunch of cases there, 45 cases now and one death, the Sharks and the Earthquakes immediately say, okay. And I don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament at Stanford. I haven't heard about that. But the Warriors, they haven't been mandated, but it's kind of been suggested they shouldn't do it. And they pushed back, and they had a home game last night. Maybe at some point it'll become a mandate. But you were bringing up earlier this kind of uh, domino case and what kind of liability is there and are people just not going to want to take a chance versus you know you're laying off employees who really need the money? I mean, the, the people who just work events in the arena, you know, they're not going to be needed to serve food at concession stands and they're not going to be needed to work as ushers and ticket takers, you know, and on down the line. You know, yeah. you kick those people out. and But at the same time, they've got to be considering the possibility, well, what if somebody, what if a player gets it and you got to quarantine a team? And that would be a nightmare scenario. Nobody wants to mess with that. So the NBA's got this call later today. Man, aren't you glad that we just blather on the radio? I mean, this, uh, yeah. This, this is not an easy call. No, but if I'm a board of governor for an NBA team, I imagine my salary's a little bit higher. All so, right, uh, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of give and take there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what the answer is on any of that stuff. It, uh, it seems like we're, we're trending in that direction to be not having all these things. And, and certainly the health issues are, are something to, to, to be worried about. But I worry about the Joe who's paycheck to paycheck and, and needs that particular night's worth of work and is willing to work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the waiters and waitresses at the restaurants, because we know, and, and as it is in 
downtown Salt Lake or wherever it might be with your uh, particular team and whatever thing you're working with with any city, you know, a, an event, whatever it might be, a game, a concert, a play, an event just brings in so much more than the actual game itself. And what are those people doing as far as their employment? You know, I'm concerned for them because they literally need the money. And how does that work? What's the impact on them? All this, a decision of this magnitude that is made affects so many trickle-down folks and people who are in need of money and need to go to work. And, you know, that's the way I grew up in my family for sure. Uh, worry about them and how they're going to get going there. And then the, this Ivy League thing, if you're banning them now, well, then the team's going to go to the NCAs. And are, what are we going to do there? These next few weeks have an opportunity to be extremely interesting in terms of things that we've never seen before in this country. And it's scary. There's no doubt it's scary. All of it is, and I have no answers for any of it. All I could do is prepare myself as best as I can. And and I I feel somewhat living in Utah that we're, what's the word I'm looking for? Isolated, immune, insulated, insulated, maybe. Yeah, from all this stuff, and it doesn't seem to really affect us. The economy wasn't as bad when it was bad, and we don't have to worry about uh, people flying into buildings. And, you know, you name it, you're in the whole gamut. seems that we are isolated from all these types of just horrific things. But, yeah, nevertheless, you can go out and get plowed over by a drunk driver today. <laughs> And and if you're dead, uh, who cares if you got the flu or the coronavirus or whatever it is out there? So we're really not immune from everything and anything really in that way. And and how do you live your life? I mean, you could go crazy thinking about all this stuff. You know, and, and so I, you know how I am. I've been doing that. <laughs> I can tell you, I'm not. And you just look at me and go, David, you're lying to me. You wouldn't even call me DJ. You, David, you're lying to me. I know you've been thinking about it. Um, and I've been thinking that, you know, I'm in the group that, from all the reports, uh, you know, ought to be pretty healthy. I'm pretty healthy. And then you start thinking, you know, it's, it's when you're over 80. It's when you have other, uh, you know, health issues. You're, um, you know, you're undergoing cancer treatment. Uh, you're diabetic. And, like, literally every time I hear one of these categories listed, I hear, oh, yeah, I know somebody who's over 80. I know somebody who's diabetic. I know somebody who's undergoing a cancer treatment. And when you hear the stories that you can spread it, with while being asymptomatic and not showing that you're sick yourself, that to me is the most frightening part. And we had a guy who identified himself as a healthcare worker. We're saying, you know, we're learning more. It doesn't seem to be airborne. It seems to be more droplets. It's like, well, you can protect yourself a lot easier then. Like that, that's a piece of good news, you know? And so right. this whole thing about, can I spread it without knowing I have it? That if that piece of the puzzle got removed, I don't think this would be nearly such a big deal. The thought that that's out there and this is so new and I'm sure, you know, doctors and researchers are going to learn more about this, you know, in the coming weeks and months. But that piece of the puzzle seems to weigh heavy on everybody. And uh, we've had a lot of people saying it's media, it's overblown. Here's a quote from Mark Parkinson, president and chief executive of the American Healthcare Association. The mortality rate is shocking. The death rate for people over 80 in China has been reported as 15%. And I know people don't believe everything that comes out of China, but they have a reputation for downplaying everything. So if they're saying it's 15% for people over 80, that's a big number. And the mortality rate is shocking. That's not you, me, and Yach, and whatever, whoever else in the media. This is the president and chief executive officer of the American Healthcare Association. So I'm going to go wash my hands for 30 seconds during the break.
Okay, you do that. And then I'll talk to Barry Trammell. He's a sports columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com. It's the Thunder and the Jazz tonight. Barry's next.